Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. What's up, guys? Man, I'll tell you what, when you only teach like once every two years, what's awesome is that you get a summer cold like the week of that teaching. Praise God. This is going to be awesome. So you're going to have to put up with my uh, sultry voice today. I promise I'll be wearing the mask when I'm not in front of you. The only one that's going to get sick in the front row is my wife. So I think we're all good to go here. Um, Well, like Jeremy said, my name's Don. I'm one of the uh, elders here at Movement. And I'll tell you what, this is a little bit different for me. You might have seen me up here hosting from time to time. And it's pretty easy for me to get up here for 90 seconds, ad-lib a few jokes, and give it to the big dogs. But coming up with 30 minutes of content is a real deal. And uh, I say that because uh, it gave me a new appreciation and respect preparing for this for our lead pastor, Mark Artrip, our pastor of groups and outreach, Trig Veeker, that are doing this week in and week out. And I just really appreciate them doing that. Um, so we're going to kick... Uh, kickstart our day as we continue our series, Learning to Walk. As Jeremy said, we're in week three of that series. We're looking at stories in the Bible that ultimately point us to the story of God. We want to see his glory. We want to see his faith and hope. We want to know that he is who he says he is, and he's doing what he says he's going to do. Today, we're going to look at arguably the most famous story in the Bible. It's one of the longest stories in the Bible. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're familiar with the story of David and Goliath. Now, you're probably thinking of a couple things. One, hey, I know this story, so this is a great time for me to check out, start thinking about my summer vacation prep. Or two, perhaps Don's going to give me a little pick-me-up pep talk about being a David and slaying the Goliaths in my life. Well, first off, I'm hoping we can get to a little deeper understanding of the story as you may know it, and then we can have some deeper takeaways for you to consider today if you stay tuned. And two, this is not going to be a motivational speech for picking up your slingshot and manning up to face the obstacles in your life. And I want to settle in on that line of thinking for just a few minutes. I think oftentimes we can get into the habit of using the Bible as a self-help tool. Let me go to a passage that will give me the encouragement that I need for the day. Or perhaps I'm feeling a little bit down and I'm looking for a little chicken soup for the soul. Or maybe someone I know isn't feeling well or dealing with something. I want to give them a little shot of the arm of encouragement. I'm going to Google a verse. Let me look up uh, good scripture verses on dealing with anxiety. And I say all that not as judgmental, but to say that I've been guilty of all these things. Let me open it up. Let me see what I can get. That's something that can feel better about myself. Uh, I've also been guilty of thinking that I'm the main character in my life, in this story, that God's a supporting character that's here to help me be successful. The word of God is a helpful tool to give me the resources, encouragement that I need to live my best life. If I was looking at the story of David and Goliath through that lens, I'd see David defeating Goliath and I'd hear something like saying like, oh, okay, God's saying, hey, you can do this. I believe in you. And I'd have a message like this. Sometimes God puts a Goliath in your life for you to find the David within you. But I submit to you guys today, this is not how we are supposed to be reading our Bible. What happens when we do this? What happens in our faith 
when we believe we're the hero and the giants in our life do not get slayed. We try to put down the bottle, but we pick it back up again. We try to say that we're never gonna look at porn again, and we do. Our marriage does not get better. Our mental health struggles and our anxiety persists. Then what happens? What do we do now in our faith? We ask questions like, do I have enough faith? Or does God even care about me? Or perhaps, is God even real then? But what I want us to look at today is the Bible being the story of God. Let's look at the story of God where he is the main character. The Bible wants to show us that it's about him from creation to recreation. It's the story to show us how much he loves the world as we know so much so that he gave his only son. Jesus is who the Bible is all about. We often know that that's the New Testament, right? We know that points to Jesus. But we're also gonna see today that the Old Testament also points to the story of Jesus. Of the redemption and the restoration of God's kingdom and his people so that ultimately he may be glorified. So God invites us into his story because there, when we are invited into his story, when we're supporting characters, that's where we're gonna find joy we're gonna find freedom and eternal life. So to reiterate, we're not the main characters, we're supporting characters in his story. But we have to be reminded of where we fit in. And I think we're gonna see today that David knew where he fit into the story and where his hope and confidence came from. So let's dig into the story of David Goliath. Before we get there, to give you a little bit background, we know from the past couple of weeks that Israel is God's chosen people but they were facing imminent danger. They were being disobedient, even though they made it to the promised land, right? They were struggling. There was battles, there was wars, there were fights, and they were looking for a king. They wanted someone to protect them from their enemies. So one of the uh, characters we're gonna see today is Saul. Saul was tall, he was handsome. He was the son of wealth and esteem. Saul was the king that the people wanted, but we'll see that he's not the king that God wanted. Even as coronation ceremony earlier in the book of 1 Samuel that we go into, the prophet Samuel made a point to say, hey guys, here's the king that you have chosen, the kind of king that you asked for. But before we begin, I think it would be helpful for us in the spirit of storytelling to cast these characters. We see some Hollywood blockbusters, Exodus, uh, Exodus with a T, uh, Noah, the chosen, things are on fire. So it's only a matter of time before I think this story comes to the big screen, so I think we got to cast some of these guys. I was thinking through this this week. Uh, let's see if you agree with me or not. Saul, he's tall, he's handsome, he's rich. The first person that came to my mind is Liam Neeson. Like, he is the man. <clears throat> but the problem that I'm having with it is, Saul, is he, Liam Neeson cannot be, like, weak. So he's not going to work for this story. So then I went through, like, who, who can play a strong guy? And I moved on to Joey Tribbiani. He can, play the, he can play the rich guy, the doctor, but he's a goofball. He's gonna mess it up, which I also have to say real quick that that friend's uh, reunion was pretty disappointing. I got 15 minutes in because my wife asked me to watch it and I had to go to bed. I could preach a whole nother sermon on how Seinfeld was better than friends, but we're not gonna do that today. All right, so the guy I settled in for Saul, Jeff Goldblum, you ready? There he is. He's tall, he's handsome, he's rich, he's trending, but he's also a little crazy. Like he can play that guy if we need him to be. Um, so that's who our Saul's gonna be. Remember him today. We have Goliath. This dude was nine foot uh, tall. He was thick, right? We knew he had 125 pounds of armor on. He's carrying a 15 pound sword. Uh, so he's a strong dude. So here we go. Casting Jason Momoa, man crush of the century. 
Um, I like him a lot, but I don't want him to be a bad guy, so I got to move on. We got The Mountain, Game of Thrones. I've not seen this show, but like that bicep is pretty dope, so I think I think he could play it. My ultimate choice for Goliath today, though, is Goro from Mortal Kombat. I think that is our guy. We got to look past that he has four arms. We know that's not biblical. I don't think so. But like he looks like he's the dude that's going to come down. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we got David. He's a young shepherd. I, I own a music audition software. I don't know what a Lear is, but he plays one. I think it might be like a heart. But yeah, Leo DiCaprio, classic teen heartthrob. heartthrob. I think he's, he's a good uh, potential for that. Moving on. Uh, we got Tom Holland. I don't know who like the young, sexy actors are right now. I'm not really in tune with that, but this guy shows up a couple times. But I'm pretty confident in who I want, and it's my boy, Reggae Jean Page. Now, I don't know if you've seen Bridgerton. I cannot recommend it from this stage. Um, but he is the Duke, and I think he's a pretty bad dude. So that's who David is today. We don't really see God, or we don't like see him as a character in this story, but we know that he's Morgan Freeman. I mean, there's no other option. Uh, some supporting characters. We got the Philistines, Spartans from the movie 300. I still want to do uh, that workout to get those abs. And then finally, we have the Israelites, which I believe were the original Mighty Duck team. So <clears throat> we got that in mind. We're ready to go. We got our characters established. Let's go into it. Um, <clears throat> so in the story of David and Goliath, we're going to look at how God is going to reintroduce his concept of king. We're going to juxtapose that with the people's concept of king. You ready? All right, we're going to open up to first, the book of 1 Samuel 17. So whether you grab the Bible under your chair, you uh, get out your Bible app on your phone, it's the ninth book in the Bible. It's going to be pretty quick on the list. Um, we're going to get to chapter 17. As we set up the story, we know that Israel, the Philistines and the Israelites are getting ready for an epic battle. They're on two adjoining hills, and there's a valley in the middle. So we're going to pick it up in verse 8. Here we go. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I'm gonna pause here, guys. This story should be called the battle of Saul and Goliath. Saul was the man that Israel chose. Saul carried the sword and the spear. The people thought he was going to fight and he was responsible for protecting his people from the Philistine threat. He was their king after all. But here in verse 11, it said he was terrified. He didn't go down and confront Goliath. Man, and if I'm being honest, I can identify with this guy. And that's not just because I'm tall and handsome. At least my mom says so. But it's this idea of feeling small, having imposter syndrome doubting my abilities and feeling like a fraud, not putting my trust in God, but putting my trust in the things of this world. I think if we're all being honest, we're afraid of being exposed like Saul was exposed, waiting for the shoe to drop. Fake it till you make it. I wanna talk a little bit about my own personal journey with this uh, and the story of my business that I just mentioned. So I started Accepted with my partner and best friend, Derek, 10 years ago. Uh, it's a picture of us in a, some magazine. I don't know what it was. Um, 
but uh, it's an audition software for performing arts. We also have a marketplace for artists as well. But before that, I worked at a church for five years. So needless to say, it was a wild adjustment to go from a church environment to the startup environment. It was a venture-backed company we raised and were entrusted with millions of dollars of other people's money. And while it was exhilarating, I did feel a little bit like this isn't who I am. I just completely switched tunes and we were seeing huge success. It was a hockey stick growth and it was, it was fun, it was exhilarating, but I found myself playing someone that I wasn't. I was starting to chase after victory, status, wealth, prestige. I got to a point where I was idolizing the business, putting my hope into the business more than I was putting my hope in God. And then something weird happened. That, that hockey stick growth started to stagnate a little bit and we weren't as successful and the investors and my board who are my friends and my attaboys all of a sudden didn't start being so friendly to me. There was, pre- there was a lot of pressure on us. They were asking what was going on. We weren't growing like we said we were gonna grow. We, they were asking questions. Are, are you gonna do with this what you said you were gonna do? Are you gonna give me the return on my money like you said that you were going to? And I gotta say that was an anxiety-ridden, gray hair-inducing time of my life. I wanna pause that story and get back to the story of David and Goliath. So let's pick it back up in verse 12. We're gonna enter David. Here comes Rege. David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with a sheep in Bethlehem. So we learned two things about David here. One, he was the youngest of his brothers. When an author writes that, we all, uh, we're often trying to convey that he was the smallest and perhaps the weakest. Uh, even if you go down a little bit in verse 28, we see that his brothers even started teasing him. What are you doing around here anyway? They demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. So he was the literal runt of the litter. He had no respect of his brothers. But we also know that he's a shepherd. He spends his days caring for and defending his sheep. We've heard this analogy that God is our shepherd. We've heard this a lot. And we're going to talk more about that. Here we're being introduced to the idea that God's idea of leadership isn't focused on outward appearance, but rather the heart. He leads and he's victorious with the heart of a shepherd. So we're gonna skip down a little bit. What's happening here as we skip, Goliath kept on going to that valley every morning, every night, shouting those same taunts. Let the guy come down who's gonna fight me. Nobody was coming down from the army of Israel. Uh, In verse 25, Saul even offers money, his own daughter and tax exemptions to the man who kills Goliath. Look, I can't go up against them, but for the man who does, automatic stimulus check. Facts a million winner. This is your guy. So David had gone to his brothers. He had brought some food from his father. And then he hears Goliath shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And he couldn't believe what he just heard. Perhaps he didn't know that for the last 40 days, Goliath had been coming and do this. He just goes to the battle scene. He's like, wait, what did this guy just say? In verse 26, he said, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? He's saying, what did this idiot just say about my God? Perhaps for the first time in his life, he heard the name of his living God ridiculed and blasphemed. And he's not gonna stand around and take it. 
So in verse 32, he says, don't worry about this Philistine. David said to Saul, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the draw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So first we know that David is definitely putting a dig on Saul at this point. David is talking about what he does when a threat comes to his sheep, like Saul should be doing when the threat's coming to his people. Aren't you the shepherd of these people? There's a wolf threatening your flock. Be the king, Saul. Be the good king that lays down your life for your people. But instead, Saul cowers in fear for 40 days. Saul was acting out of fear, living in fear, and his life showed it. And have you noticed how badly our culture wants us to act out of fear as well? It's the number one selling emotion for the news uh, networks. It's the reason people make poor financial decisions. It's the reason we have to cover up our weaknesses with fakeness. Fear makes us greedy. Fear's the way that one side gets the other side to hate people in politics. And fear will continue to drive until we find an alternative. I'd argue the opposite of fear is faith. Faith is something outside of ourselves. And that's where we're gonna find that in David's story. David's story becomes bravery. And his bravery comes from the Lord. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lions and bears will rescue me from this Philistine. So this is back what I was saying earlier. David knows that this is not about him. This is not his story. He's not the main character. He's telling Saul, you have no idea who the giant is. He has defiled the Lord. Goliath is an ant compared to our God. He's able to, God is able to destroy anyone or anything that tries to rob him of glory. And I love how he kept talking about how it wasn't about him. The Lord is gonna do this. The Lord will take care of this. See, David was not self-confident. David was God-confident. If we notice the difference in responses to how they responded to Goliath, Saul asked, who are we to fight this Philistine? And David asked, who is this Philistine that blasphemes the Lord? It reminds me of uh, Proverbs 28.1 that says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Continuing the story, Saul finally consented and he says, all right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. This is a big deal. It's not just like, go ahead, you're gonna die, have fun, bad choice. Remember each part, each army was putting the fate of their entire nation in this UFC fight to the death. If Israel's represented warriors defeated and killed, they become the Philistine slaves. Saul is gonna face imminent death. There's no doubt that he's gonna be killed. But I have to think for a moment, even though Saul is frightened and he's no longer has the spirit of God in him, he sees a glimmer of hope in David. That David sees that his confidence comes from the Lord and that the Lord will deliver them. So he ultimately says, go ahead, boy. May God be with you. In fact, he goes on and says, here, take my armor. In verse 28 or 38, I apologize. 
Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it's like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. David putting on Saul's armor, he put on his Saul armor and said, this is not me. It might look good, but I'm not supposed to be wearing this. And like David, I think we try to put on our own armor, whether it's success, financial security, things that allow us to save ourselves. But David wanted to know that there is a God in Israel. And it made me, makes me think, do we show others that there is a God in us or do we hide behind worldly armor? David taking off uh, Saul's armor is rejecting Saul's idea of kingship. He didn't try to cover up his weaknesses, but he found strength in his weaknesses. He said, look, no sword and shield for me, rather staff and stone. He'll fight as a shepherd. Pick back up my business saga in 2017, four years ago, it, uh, it, got, it came to a head. The pressure had mounted to the point of no return. We had a choice. We had to continue to put on the armor of the world Fake it till we make it. Wait for that shoe to drop. Or we could play, take our place in the Lord's hands. So by God's grace, my partner and I brought our stress and concern to the Lord. We repented of our selfish ambition for putting our hope in the business and not putting our hope in him. For putting on someone else's armor and masquerading as someone we weren't. We prayed and we felt a sense of peace of how to continue. We said, God, we wanna honor you whatever that looks like. We know you're gonna take care of us. We know that this is just a part of our story and our life and our eternal life. We trust you. So we decided that we were gonna buy this business back and run it how we wanted to. But in order to do that, we had to get 41 investors to agree to a price that we wanted to pay. Uh, and it had to be a unanimous decision, which people said, there's no way that's gonna happen. Um, but we set out, we said, hey, that's okay. I don't know what's gonna happen, but... We're going to try it. And we believe the Lord, whatever happens, if we lose the business, if we keep the business, we're going to relinquish control. So we prepared for battle, knowing that the victory belonged to the Lord. And you know what? Within two days, 48 hours, all 41 of those investors uh, agreed to the price that we were offering them as a respectable return on their money. Everyone signed the deal amicably. Four years later, we're still friends with a lot of those guys. And I think we have a great reputation in the Columbus entrepreneurial community. It went from, we can't do this anymore to let's invite God into our business and be courageous in trying to honor him. All right, let's switch back to the story. We're gonna get close to the climax of David and Goliath. Verse 41, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. Do you come at me with a stick? Remember, he had a staff. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Goliath was ready for epic battle. He was uh, Philistine's main champion. He was ready to go. He was not gonna get the glory that he needed and deserved if he just kills a teenage boy. But in verse 45, it says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the, the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. 
but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you over to us. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. He did not stammer, he ran. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. It's amazing to me that the author spends 47 verses of this story building up the suspense, and it only takes four verses to document the actual battle and the victory. Perhaps he wants us to see that we spend so much time doing the same thing. We spend so much time worrying about things, being anxious about things. Do you ever have those conversations where it's like, I'm about to have a hard conversation. I'm thinking about it the day before. It's keeping me up at night. And when the actual conversation happens, like, ah, that wasn't that bad. What was I worried about so much? Same thing with the business situation. What was I worried about so much? But the main point that the author doesn't want us to miss is that this is not a story about a shepherd boy, but rather a God who saves. Through a shepherd, yes, but a whole different kind of shepherd. The good news is that even though the story is not about us, it applies to us. We can relate to David and we can relate to Saul. Both of these stories can resonate with us. So I wanna end the, the story about my business as well. After the buyback of Accepted, we started the, running the company in a way that we believe honored God. We made him the managing partner of our, our business. It was so sweet. Derek and I spend our management meetings most oftentimes starting in prayer. We want him to be glorified. We started a prayer team in our business. We did Bible studies. We created biblical core values. We didn't put our hope in exponential growth. We set out with a mission to help people flourish and for them to feel the love of the Lord. And the business took off. Uh, we were poised well in the midst of pan the pandemic to have a virtual offering. And we exceeded our company goals. And I'm proud to say just two, literally two days ago, Friday, I just sold Accepted. After a decade of building an organization, eight months of going through an intense sale process, we crossed the finish line. And it is not lost on me the fact that I have spent the last couple of weeks studying the story of David and Goliath as I'm going through the finish line of my business as well and seeing the parallel between those two. It's been an amazing journey. It's been a part of my testimony. Do I still have stress? 100%. Do I win every battle that I go up against? No but I have a larger story that I can remind myself of where God is the hero. And I can remind myself that my agenda is not always his agenda, but in that there's such a freedom and a peace. And I think I started this business with the mindset of Saul. I finished the business with the understanding of David. One thing I don't want you to hear from this message is this is a wealth and prosperity message. If you do God's will, if you give it to him, you will be successful. It's not about that at all. And I can confidently say that money has not uh, bought happiness. Just like Trigg mentioned in his last week, quoting Bieber verses. Still can't believe he said the word Millie. It didn't even feel right. But uh, it did, those were the best parts of my business. The best success stories were never paydays. It was when my partner gave his life to Jesus. When was, my director of operations gave his life to Jesus when we prayed earnestly ongoing for our stakeholders to see the love of Jesus. And we found peace 
submitting ourselves and our endeavors to the Lord. So I ask, who do you like better? Me trying to fake it to the world or me trying to honor God and see his glory? Who do you wanna be like, David or Saul? And even though we pick David, remember that he wasn't the hero. I'm not the hero. You're not the hero. God is the hero. Even though David was a king, a good king that the Bible often points to, he went on to fail miserably. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was God's king that everyone pointed to, but he fell short until Jesus arrived. We often hear him referred to as the new David or perhaps the son of David. And he was the one that did not fall short. So I want you to hear the battle of David and Goliath points to a much greater story. It's not about us being an epic David, but it's about uh, a greater battle and a greater champion. Goliath represents the enemy who's after us. We cannot win against him by ourselves. We see a bunch of stories in the Bible where people rise and fall. But an unlikely champion from Bethlehem, the same town as David, steps forward and stares sin, death, and Satan in the face. He defeats death. He's the improbable, but the ultimate champion, defeating the ultimate giant. David points us to Jesus. And like like David, Jesus has the heart of a shepherd. He knows his sheep. He fights for his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. The big idea for the day is simply that the Lord rescues his people. Jesus was humble, meek, and he was nothing to look at. But his courage came from God. Jesus gave up everything. He didn't take out the sword, but he fell on the sword. He won by losing. And he didn't just die for you. He died as you. He wasn't just buried for you, but he was buried as you. He didn't just rise for you, but he rose as you. And he ascended and sits at the right hand of God, not just for you, but as you. His life is our life. His victory is our victory. So because of Christ in us, we have the hope of glory. Whatever he has given you, don't shrink back in fear. Run to the battle. He is the ultimate challenge, uh, ultimate champion. It's not what, cha- what challenge is too big for you. It's what too- challenge is too big for your God. Remember, that's not your story. It's his story, but he's rescued you. And when you submit to this and trust this, that's where you're gonna find peace. That's where you're gonna find uh, calm from the storm, victory in the battle. And that's what I want you guys to hear today. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity to share your word today, for what you've been teaching me, God. Thanks for adopting us as your sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ to your kingdom, Father. May we leave here with a deeper understanding of who you are and what you're doing in us. God, we want to declare that you are the king. You are the almighty rescuer. May we remember that our courage comes from you, Father. Victory belongs to you. We submit ourselves to you today. God, I want to remind everyone of the words from Psalm 16, what David said about you, Father. He said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. 
and the pleasures of living with you forever. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.